We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse, the fifth column. Greetings, and welcome back to another exciting installment of the fifth column podcast. This is your weekly rhetorical assault on the news cycle, the people that make it, and occasionally ourselves. I am Camille Foster. I am so glad to be here. I'm with Matt Welch, Michael Moynihan, and my Adderall prescription back in full effect. Oh, no. If you notice any difference in the program, that's probably what it is. Also, I'm very well slept. I've been using Sam Harris's waking up app almost every single day for extended periods. I feel good about myself. Yeah. I feel good about the world. I feel good about you two gentlemen. Does he have and an just, app I'm, about, I'm so happy about going to sleep, to be here together. quieting down? <laughs> no. It's already more sleep? words than he's spoken in several episodes recently. <laughs> so yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah, he, wow. You, you, for last... I don't understand why you have to begin by taking shots. No, why do you have to not... live in the past, Matt Welch? <laughs> can we, if we're going to live in the past, can we talk about how I was trying to educate you on what daggering is? Uh, what is daggering? Educate all of us. Exactly. It okay. is Share is, with the rest of the class. It is, a, it is a cultural. It is a cultural export from Jamaica, and it is a, a beautiful dance performed by men and women together, generally. And uh, yeah, I just think you and Emmanuel would get a kick out of it. So ask her about it, since she knows a little bit about the culture now. <laughs> Why? Um, what? What is the dagger in this case? Just like the dagger. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it, it's twofold, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I mean, you would lie prostrate. Prostrate on the ground, and okay. she would climb something, probably maybe just a chair, or she could just leap. But you know, you leap and you. Everyone is clothed. This is a beautiful dance. It's a wrestling this is my move. culture. I don't understand why. You're... <laughs> what a, what a beautiful people we are. We we mm-hmm. gave you Bob Marley and we gave you daggering. Thank you, Jamaica. We... I thought One from, love. I thought you were from PG County. <laughs> from from Was- I was born in Washington D.C. My my people them. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, from um, Bakayad. Bakayad. <laughs> oh man, daggering! What an amazing culture! Fall- what a great people! Can you imagine how amazing I would be if I if I'd grown up there and not here? Just uh, wow! I, so I, much. I'm gonna, <laughs> deprived of so much. Is this a <laughs> metaphor for the 2024 election, Camille? It, it sure is. Or for the state yeah. of modern journalism. God, there's so much There's so much going on. The state of modern journalism is worth talking about. The messenger, uh, media startup exploding. Okay, raise your- Blowing 50, $50 million Raise your year, hand if you- Making only $3 million over that same year. I want, I want since we, I can see you guys, raise your hand if you really, deep in your heart, knew what the messenger was. I've never read a single story on the messenger, but I knew what it was. I knew what it was. I knew what but it I was. Didn't, I've never read anything on it. No. I thought it was yeah. like a. I thought it was an AOL play. Like uh, you know, I have a friend who works there who's very talented, and um, I feel bad for her. And uh, but yeah, this was not long for this world. But it has produced some of the most idiotic tweets of the past <laughs> six months because anytime something collapses because. You know, no one knows what they're doing, or the management is just a bunch of idiots, and they're trying to do something that's exactly what has failed other people in the past. And then everyone who doesn't work there has to get on. Um, on, and I think I texted you, Matt. Are I can't remember exactly what I said, but I think I said something to the effect that are, are journalists like the most annoying, whiny people on the planet? And I believe you agreed with me. I think my answer uh, was yes. And I, I we're yes. not making friends with our our Chicago Tribune Guild listeners out there. I'm afraid. 
when we say oh. this, um, the people who started unions. You win some, you lose some. Matt. You win some, lose, you lose some. <laughs> not uh, so. No, like it's this this notion, then you see it over and over again, like Clara Jeffrey from Mother Jones, who I, 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 I both appreciate Mother Jones and I appreciate Clara. I disagree with 90% of what she says. Um, and she had this whole uh, uh, Twitter thread tonight talking about the messenger and then broader things about journalism. And everyone just sort of postulates at every step that this is – uh, these things are fundamental uh, to democracy. And then at, at some point, there's always the moment of, and look, Jeff Bezos is one of the richest men in the world. Can you believe you know, it's a rounding error, him losing $50 million a year. So it's, he's obviously immoral if, if he loses. Like, do you want to know, know why Jeff Bezos has a lot of money and she doesn't? That right there is why. Yeah. I mean, I mean could you imagine? So, could you imagine? Because so many rounding errors end up with zero rounding errors because you have zero money. No, but you understand that the, the hilarious thing about this and it's been, it's of course since 2016, 15, 16, and, and the Trump years, that how do you get away with whinging on Twitter that a website that burned $50 million in a year and went belly up despite offering like literally nothing that another website wasn't doing? They were aggregating things, they were aggregating video, they were just like, they, they didn't have crews of going out and shooting things which is a problem because, you know, as I said, my friend who works there could have done some good stuff if they had that kind of money and that, well, they did have that kind of money, that kind of sense. But what they always <laughs> have to do is they have to invoke democracy because then it sounds existential. Otherwise, it just sounds like you're bitching, right? That like the shit that you create, people don't want to pay for, which is often the case. And instead, they're like, but you don't understand. It's not about my job. It's about, it's literally about democracy. Without me at the messenger, our institutions might just crumble tomorrow and that kind of stuff. And Clara Jeffries, I mean, she, what is Mother Jones funded by? It's nonprofit you know, and, and they've, yeah, they've, it's funded uh, by like donors, right? Yeah. Like they do the, basically the reason model. Um, we're more successful at raising money than they are as part of that, but it's, it's, it's small individual donors mostly. And they, they went to that a long time ago and I have a lot of respect for that. I mean, but, but, but I don't have a lot of respect for them for one reason is, you know, it's like trading Babe Ruth from the Red Sox. I mean, you got rid of Ben <laughs> Dreyfus, the uh, wow. all-star of all all-stars, and you go, <laughs> I don't care about you anymore because Ben is a genius. And, and not just, and not just that, him. but like her- Bright, shining star. Her thread yes. uh, made underlined that she misunderstood Ben Dreyfus, which is one of the points that he has made in his writing. Remember, Ben, in addition to being- really just about one of the funniest people on the planet and a great fifth column guest is that uh, his job at Mother Jones for a long time was to handle their social media and their kind of yeah. public facing he's stuff. He's got it. incredible, <laughs> interesting, insightful things to say about uh, Facebook and Twitter and other places and how news organizations um, interacted with those things. And one of the points that he made, because in her thread, she's like, um, you know, Facebook and everyone and, the, and big uh, tech uh, tried to just sort of sponge all of uh, all of the ad dollars out of the market, and then they stopped uh, throwing links to organizations because they're like trying to um, undermine them somehow. And Ben has pointed out that the news organizations spent most of 2016, 17, and 18, and I assume today at the shitty tech hearings on Capitol Hill, which is another uh, 
fucking daggering of, of a political <laughs> process. Uh, but browbeating tech for, uh, for like ruining the election by, you know, sending links to Trump tards about things that w- were inaccurate. And like Ben Dreyfus has pointed out. So Facebook at some point said, cool, you know what? Tell you what, we're just going to piece out of the news business. We're not going to be part of it. And then everyone's like, oh, wait, I mean, we still wanted 35% of our web traffic to come from you. Um, yeah, but on our terms. But on our terms. And Zuckerberg's like, <laughs> we no. We have literally no negotiating power here, but you should do it on our terms. <laughs> it's just amazing. Because they can just walk away and everything is totally fine. It doesn't change much for them, but it changes a lot for you. I mean, that was the thing in the Clara Jeffries tweet thread is like, you know, the billionaire model, this is what they get wrong. It's like, no, no, no. That's, it's, it's, the point of this is what you're getting wrong. That's always the point of this. You're getting a ton wrong. And by getting things, I'm not saying Clara Jeffries, I don't, you know, pay attention to Mother Jones, but, you know, the Messenger or Pitchfork or any of these places, like Pitchfork is a pretty straightforward one. It was like, it, it was like, it did, for lack of a better phrase, it did like guitar based, like rock music. And then all of a sudden they got a bunch of young people working there in like 2015, 16. And it was just like hip hop and like, you know, Cardi B and like, that was what you, it became like trendy for like white guys that went to Bennington and live in Brooklyn to write about that stuff and nothing else. And they just, for they stopped writing about the stuff that made them successful. And the same thing with Vice. They stopped doing the thing that made them successful because they were taken over by the people that destroy media companies. And I could name them by name at Vice and, and, and I'm not going to, but like the number of people there, it's like you guys, your track record is so atrocious. It's so unbelievably atrocious that I'm just shocked that you still, you know, media is a game that, that you fail up in. Everybody who failed advice ended up getting a, a better job or an equally um, well-compensated job somewhere else. Despite the fact that like nobody, it's like, talk about failure being an orphan. It's like the people who left there, n- no one is like interviewing them like, you must be to blame. They have like internalized this idea that, oh, it's the business people. It's like, no, no, no. It, no, no, stop. It's not the business people. It's not any of that. They could make really bad decisions, of course. But if you're making content that people want to watch and Vice stop doing that, then you there's a million roads to success. When you stop doing that, there are no roads to success. Yes. And then you keep getting getting jobs, which I find absolutely astonishing because it is like the government in that way. I mean, they people in media run it like a government agency. Like, we deserve to work here. You know, you deserve, I deserve a salary. And deserve protection and you- from market forces forever. Correct, correct. Uh, and then, and saying there's a, a, a piece in The Atlantic by Paul Fari, who used to be the Wall Street Journal's media reporter, um, and he was talking about the extinction level event of, of journalism. And he's kind of right as a description. There has been close to an extinction level event on journalistic institutions, the legacy institutions that yes. provided journalism 30 and 40 years ago are going through a serious extinction event and it is traumatic and it is, it has lessened the net amount of a certain type of journalism, I think. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, at the bottom of it, he was like, you know, I think his final paragraph was if, uh, journalism, uh, is, is there to protect the democracy. And so if the decline of journalism undermines democracy, then, then, Perhaps um, the only solution is for uh, democratic self-government uh, to uh, find a link to help journalism. And that, 
mangling the quote, but just basically that somehow, uh, and we talked about this in the previous episode, like linking up uh, the failure of journalism, only democracy can save the failure of journalism. The -hmm. failure of journalism is democracy. I like, I hate to be that guy again, but like democracy Mm -hmm. is, it's, is an expression of the popular will. There is no popular will to support legacy journalistic institutions. People did other things with their news consumption and with their advertising consumption. And so you have to adapt to that as the providers of that, of those services. It's not just that, um, uh, somehow you're going to wave a magic wand um, and usually through anti-democratic means, probably uh, try to uh, kind of do a rear guard action and do, you know, the newspaper preservation act 2.0 uh, and, and uh, make this all happen. No, this is, are we going to, are we going to get to that again? I mean, you remember 2008, 2009, there was, there was the ubiquitous Robert McChesney who uh, popped up on every television show, well, on MSNBC and in the nation <laughs> and places like that saying, you know, we need the government to bail out news organizations. We need government to fund it. We need, um, uh, you know, to bring back the fairness doctrine. Like, I mean, everything under the sun, every bad idea about media. And that is like when they people look towards Europe and say, well, they do it there, right? It's like, well, Australia all, it's, different. it's different. And when you have... Nine million people in Sweden. I mean, but still, I mean, it's it's completely pointless that they do this. Um, and I I don't know why um, taxpayers should be funding something that people won't buy. But the the interesting thing about this, and the fact that it hasn't been another like McChesney two point is kind of surprising to me. But um, but yeah, I mean, th- th- this is an amazing moment in which journalism is doing amazing things, um, but just not, as you said, these kind of old, clunky, legacy media outfits. Because the thing is, is that if you look on YouTube, and I do this a lot, um, I know Camille does this a lot too, and just like look at what is really successful, mm. right? How, okay, so here's a, here's a good parallel, actually. I just thought of this, and I'm, so bear with me as I flesh this out. Quibi. Two billion dollars. They just lit it on fire. Just complete fucking morons. It's Jeffrey Katzenberg. He's a he's a Hollywood genius. It's like he just literally. I, I couldn't lose two billion dollars that quickly, and I'm pretty bad with money when it comes to things like that. So two many billion dollars. Quick, quick bites. That's what it's called. Quick bites. That's what that means. A portmanteau of quick bites. And then at the same time, TikTok is running the tables on everybody. Yeah. How are they doing it? User generated content. Correct. Because it's not the fucking (laughs) morons that are hired by Jeffrey Katzenberg who say that they know about news and Jeffrey Katzenberg knows about Hollywood, but the Hollywood guy is going to come in and fix it. Right. Is that any better or any worse than Jeff Bezos coming in? I mean, Jeff Bezos did a lot for the, the Washington Post. I mean, you know, allowed people to subscribe and push subscriptions through Amazon Prime, which is an amazing, it's like, I can't believe they didn't, didn't uh, you know, they don't go for antitrust things in this. Like, that's unfair. You're wrapping a browser in with the operating system. Internet Explorer's it, it, just the devil. It's like you're wrapping this newspaper in with everybody's Amazon Prime subscription. And I was like, wait, oh, you, oh, you don't mind that? Oh, because it's you and your job. I get it. I, I get think it. Donald Trump minds it, Michael. So you probably the next oh, President Trump. 
I'd forgotten all about Quibi. You remember they had that um, that show where they brought Kiefer Sutherland in, and he was doing uh, essentially a version of Twenty Four in like fifteen minute increments. It was, tw- <laughs> was twenty four seconds. <laughs> no, no. it's like so bizarre. You're making that yeah. up. This is a no, no. It was, yeah, it was a different. It was not called Twenty Four. It's called The Fugitive. But they were making it in their like crazy yeah, yeah. style. There's a fifteen. Um, the best thing about that is they had a bunch of shows like this. Is when people have really bad ideas and they they um, present them and talk about them as if it's this amazing profundity that you can't possibly understand. And you're like, how do I get these Quibi shows on TV? They're like, you don't. You cannot get them on TV because the future is in your hand. I was like, my dick? What are you? What are you talking about? Oh, I gotta watch it on my phone. Fuck you! Like I don't. I want. Like I have a 4K projector. How do I get my phone on the 4K projector? Like, no, no, you don't understand. We're going. It's this is the future. It's like yeah, kind of, but not really. The future. Um, oh the gosh. future is, um, you know, a brave truth-telling undercover political journalism oh my operators who are going to rip the lid off the fact that some people <laughs> in the world- We have to set it up. I'm trying to. I'm just <laughs> trying to set it up. Set it up. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't watch it because I was on- This is what journalism needs more of, Matt. <laughs> Guys with fake noses going- so, Did he fake noses? So, did, he, did he Leonard Bernstein? Yeah, he literally had, he had, he had he glasses had on. on? He, yeah, he had glasses on. He, he was doing was the Clark Kent thing. Yeah. Um, and apparently dyed his hair as well. So so, we, so you understand what's going on <laughs> if you're not an extremely online person. James O'Keefe, formerly of Project Veritas, got bounced from his own organization a little while back. And he spent started money, something right? new. Because he tried started to Started something it. new called <laughs> O'Keefe Media Group, yeah. um, or OMG. Uh, get it? Uh, <laughs> he, yesterday... There was a tweet, which one of you guys shared on our thread, um, in which James was talking about how brave he is uh, yes. and we, how he we gotta, is getting ready we gotta to have break a, incredible news. We got to have a yeah. reading of this from Moynihan, okay. a dramatic Moynihan. reading. Um, if yeah. you I don't know what accent you're going to do. That, like, so if you could find a it. Leonard Pimp no. Darnell. <laughs> what, what is the total douchebag accent? Yeah. <laughs> what is the one that looks like the bad guy in every 80s movie yeah. accent? Because that's what he is. Um this is James O'Keefe yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. and this Last, is it was a late night just, tweet, uh, too. Yeah. I'll just, yeah, it was a late night tweet. I'll just I'll, I'll read it flat. People mm. familiar with the story coming out tomorrow keep texting me, asking me about fear. I've taken the time to write a careful <laughs> response. At 39, I've lived a good life. Whether it's complete <laughs> or not is uh, not up to me. What happens next, I don't know. If there's more to come, so be it. I've learned the pursuit of truth requires extreme risk while operating without a safety net. I've experienced so much, I've lived 10 lives compressed into a fraction of one. I mean, half, that's the fraction, because he's 40. Um, by the way, <laughs> that's all a man can hope for. Meteoric highs, extreme lows, and near-death experiences. Jail and jury trials travel to every state dozens of times. By the way, he's been to uh, Arkansas like like a dozen times. Uh, adventures, <laughs> travails, failures, betrayals. It sounds like he's writing copy for like a movie in the 1950s. <laughs> adventures, travails, failures, betrayals, and loves Slap lost and gains. Yes. Repeated valleys. God, dude, an editor would be great. Moving and climbing mountains, <laughs> enduring multiple rebirths and renewals. God, he's rebirthed so many times. What I learned is written in Mm. three books. This is the first plug, by the way. Particularly American (laughs) Muckraker Mm. and filmed and filmed, this is a bad sentence, 
and filmed masterclasses released and unreleased. <laughs> Just in case you were wondering if there's going to be okay. a box set anytime soon with the unreleased James O'Keefe. <laughs> I've received love. By the way, this is worth it. I'm just going to keep reading this. I've received love from a balanced family with honest parents and sincere grandparents who raised me to have a maniacally driven work ethic, all while be, uh, believing in the best in people. From my vantage point, the last thing is on the ver- th- th- that last thing is on the verge of extinction unless things fundamentally change. And I'm about to get to the good part. I think. Jesus Christ, this is long. Um, uh, let me skip around here. Um, Leviathan doesn't like being challenged, oh, by the way, just so you yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, here, okay, or, this or, is, or, okay, go ahead. It's, it has been an indescribable hell on earth for me to witness people go against everything they claim to believe and everything good and right in service to their love of money and power. Isn't that what they say about him? I've witnessed envy destroy people whose uh, hearts I thought I knew. Ooh. I've seen an unhealthy obsession with comfort and safety from countless others. These weaknesses stand between us and what we're, quote, up against which leads me to the video I'm about to release. Neck, uh, carriage return, next sentence. I'm not, I'm not suicidal, but I'm also not afraid to die. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, All right. Okay. Okay. And so it keeps, fast it, forward I like what to he says, today. I'm tired, oh. boss. Does he say that? I'm tired, boss. And then the last paragraph is very brief. <laughs> so here I stand. I can do no other. As has been said, if they're going to kill me, They're going to kill me. Let's do this. Let's get 2024 (laughs) started. Let's inspire others to be brave. Let's raise the stakes. Let's expose them all. And then the video drops today, and it's him talking to some mid-level IT guy, in a fake, (laughs) and he's wearing like a fake mustache, and the guy's saying things that everybody knows that Joe Biden slipped a little bit, and that nobody likes Kamala Harris. (laughs) I can't believe they didn't kill him. The the Kamala... And the Kamala Harris bit, incredibly, the guy is literally quoting the New York Times. Correct. He's just quoting an article he yes. read in the New York Times. He yes. says a couple of times, this is just what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People keep yes. telling me. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I hear that everyone in the White House thinks this. Yes. That's all he's doing. At some point, he does. he does give his own perspective. That Joe Biden does not, in fact, have dementia, but he is, quote, slowing down. I mean, that's... Okay. Yes, he's literally <laughs> slower. I mean, just it's he, a fact. He manages to break exactly no news. It's incredible. None whatsoever. I'm so impressed. And, and only corroborate <laughs> reporting that has already been corroborated by other media publications. And in the process, in the process, he destroys this kid's life. Now, do I care about this kid in particular? I mean, I I care about all humanity, and I want people to do well and not be sad. But the humiliation this kid is suffering, some of it belongs to James O'Keefe, or at least he ought to be feeling a little bit of it as well, because this is preposterous nonsense. I think he's going to get a better job, actually. He's got another release tomorrow. He didn't do anything. Oh, it's going to get I don't know. What is the one tomorrow? Something he read in Newsweek? I think think managing... Good managing Lord. to get managing to get got like this after having seen these kinds of things so many times before and i and i have to imagine it's the same ridiculous honey trap situation um although it seems like this guy might have been married he he says something about his husband during the conversation with James O'Keefe wait is that what so they he, do they like target gay guys basically it's it's 
Well, they target whomever. Um, James yeah. hasn't been out in the field doing the undercover work. Um, when he was at Project Veritas, he had other people who were doing it for him for a while. Um, so it's interesting to it's see him at least he don the wig. He doesn't <laughs> d- dye his hair and put on a put on glasses. He just looks exactly the same. I mean, he yeah. did. I yeah. looked. At, I clicked on the video. I, I expected like him to look like fucking Kenny Loggins or something, <laughs> like a beard and like. But he was just like, oh, that's that dude James O'Keefe who tries to ruin. But at least life. he didn't get confused and wear his like pimp fur coat and I, yeah. hat because that it. probably would have been a dead giveaway. I love that um, he quotes on on his Twitter feed. It's a poll quote. Like he had dinner with this guy. He's having wine with this guy. This yeah. is the quote that he pulls out. There was a debate about removing her, Kamala Harris, from the ticket. They, but sadly, they didn't. She's not popular. But you can't remove the first black lady to be vice president from the goddamn presidential ticket. Like, what kind yeah. of message are you going to send to African American voters? People would be like, "What the fuck?" Like, she's a woman and she's multiracial. Like, I mean, literally, guys on the bus say that. <laughs> Random people on the bus say that. And James O'Keefe thinks he's going to be murdered because of it. He's oh, gonna, my God. He's going to be like Salvador Allende. Like, they're just surrounding me. I think I'm just going to blow my head off. Good oh, Lord. my gosh. Yeah, so there's, there's nothing to see here. Like, literally nothing to see here. This stunt has been done many, many yeah. times. Occasionally, there's something interesting in these videos. And maybe tomorrow, he will surprise the hell out of me. But it seems like tomorrow's video will just feature James O'Keefe chasing this mortified, um, I guess I can't say yet, former White House staffer um, down he, he the street. He shouldn't be fired. He didn't do anything wrong. He might be. He might be like you can have a conversation about politics when you work in politics. But there's a certain kind of incompetence in going out to a restaurant and having a conversation with some stranger who just keeps you talking and you are just shit talking your boss. See, this is why this isn't journalism. Okay, going undercover does not mean it's not journalism. I mean, like what is the 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 German guy Gunter Wallraff? Which is in Swedish, they have a verb, at valrafa, which is to like do a valraf, which is go undercover. But it's usually like you're, you know, you're doing like a Sinclair Lewis. It's like the, 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 the meat industry or something. You're actually exposing something rather than some individual person who doesn't mean very much and doesn't have a very high ranking job. Because the thing that you have to disaggregate when you are a journalist is what is this guy saying that is true and what is a, just a human instinct to impress people and to overstate things. If you're like trying to, you know, if you're on a date or whoever's, you know, they do it with women sometimes and men, I've seen those in the past. It's like, I have said a lot of things that probably aren't true in the service of getting someone to take their pants off. (laughs) A lot of things that aren't true. I like, like, (laughs) I love, you can't, what you can't see folks at home is way ahead looking to his left. Yeah. You know, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> he's in a room. He's in a room with a woman. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and it looks like he's, he's I wondering think if I think he'll she's be swatted at. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think she knows I wasn't in Scottish parliament. <laughs> For some reason I thought that was going to work. <laughs> like, <laughs> I lie. I lie. Yeah. On dates. Yeah. I mean, like, so does America. I mean, that's just what you do. This is, this is what men do. 
Yes, they, they of lie. course. It's what women they do lie too. on dates. Just, you think women are <laughs> just course. all telling the truth all the time? <laughs> of course I love you, baby. Of yeah. course. Yeah. Listen, you're the only one for me. Oh, I love that. You look beautiful. Mm-mm. Joe Biden, crazy. <laughs> he is crazy. Let me tell you some insider stuff. <laughs> and I'm in control of everything. I yeah. could turn off the router anytime I want to. <laughs> I, I work in the networking yeah. closet. Yeah. You got Comcast. I pull that yeah. shit out. <laughs> at, at, at one point, he begins to tell the story of Michelle Obama saying that she wouldn't run for office. Yes. You know, I was an intern. <laughs> and yeah. I James overheard James James someone ask her a question. Like, the second I release this video, they're going to slit my throat in public. They're going to do a January so... 6th on my house. <laughs> so ridiculous. So no James O'Keefe. Um, you, if you die... Um, I'll have to presume it's suicide. Maybe yeah. you you die of embarrassment because <laughs> yeah. this is just ridiculous. It's the Absolutely dumbest. ridiculous. You know, I will point out to the listeners that we t- we are have been especially hard on the uh, mainstream or legacy media recently, but this is uh, the other side of that, which we're yes. also um, think is dumb. I mean, it's just <laughs> yeah. it's like oppo research as as media, and some of these people are talented. I mean, James O'Keefe has. Some talent, like as a dancer, as we know, and he's a <laughs> decent singer. Can he can eat sandwiches song? while he dances or yeah, something? Yeah, he's doing a song. Yeah, like he's done yeah. show tunes at, at, at various events. Um, well, oh likes to like impersonate gay men as he's... Anyways. What um, are you implying? Not, not sure. <laughs> uh, no, I, I know James Lee. He asked His how, undercover name is always Busby Berkeley. That's kind of, always a bit curious to me. It's not a pure oh analog, gosh. but like in terms of, of motivation, I think there might be some overlap with Andy No in Portland and, and elsewhere. Like someone who has balls, um, who goes into uh, contested scenes and extracts videos and, and uh, you know, takes literally some lumps uh, in, in Andy's case, but made the decision early on in their pursuit of what they're doing that they're basically going to be doing oppo research that unless you're part of the, their team, you can't trust. And these are people with talent um, that could be using that talent for something different, and they're choosing not to. And like the the kind of fluffing up the 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 promotion of this style of work and activity and being in the world is uh, is depressing. Uh, like people with that kind of talent would hopefully be using it in different ways. And and I and we make fun of the self-importance of all the journalists losing their jobs. And it's mean spirited. It seems like sometimes, but it's not really. It's also like a, a call. Ethan Strauss had a great piece about this, uh, an interview, uh, a week ago, um, just sort of like, you know, um, like I, I want all my smart and talented journalistic colleagues to stay in the game and to find a way to have their value translate into their continuing sustenance. And I want there to be more actual truth seeking as opposed to, uh, I will find the biggest rock to throw at the bad guys seeking in <laughs> journalistic activity. And that's all has always been, and written about this for 25 years, that as we go from this one model to a much more British model where like, you know, everyone's biases and also the quality is, is worse Although sometimes the quality of writing itself, the prose is better and the headlines are better, um, that that would be a, an awkward transition because I don't want the good part of 
that boring American journalism to completely go away. And also the aspiration, whether you meet it or not, of trying to be comprehensive and fair about what you do to go away as these institutions are all failing. And if the kids nowadays want to grow up to be James O'Keefe or Andy No or Max Blumenthal or God knows who else on the left, um, that that is uh, depressing. And I and I hope there continues to be a market for people who are doing other stuff, there, quality there, stuff. There will be. There always will be. Um, but there, what there won't be a market for, and the, which is what I think the market shakeout is doing, is the number of people that in college decide that journalism, you know, they're the people that have the canvas strand tote bags that you, you, you know, the, you can picture both the men and the women, exactly what they look like. And they decide that journalism is a thing that they want to be a part of. They like calling themselves journalists, et cetera. I mean, Hitchens said, I think in his memoir, when he said, you know, I'm I, identifying himself as, as a writer. It's not what I do. It's who I am. It's, you know, he always was that from, you know, 12 years old. He always had something to say. And that is the case with a lot of people that I know are very good at this. I mean, you know, even you can hate Douglas Murray all you want. That's fine. He's on the show. He's been on our show. He's a, he's a lovely guy. He's a friend of ours. Um, he wrote his book on Bosi, the... Um, the uh, gay lover of Oscar Wilde, who then became a reactionary anti-gay conservative um, when he was in undergraduate. I think he was 20 years old. Jeez. And it's like a very good book. And it was very well reviewed. It wasn't political in any way. And he was just that person. Like, I don't get that sense from a lot of people in journalism now that they like the idea of being journalists and they don't really have much to say. And that is, I mean, look, you don't have to have something to say as such. You can go out and report things but that is just coming through this distortion machine these days of the stuff that is left out, the stuff that, that you know, it's a, the bias of story selection that you see all the time. And there's always going to be a place for, for good journalism. I mean, I never, I always bought The Guardian. I think it's changed recently when I was in the UK. I'd buy a stack of newspapers, yeah. my favorite thing about going to the UK, because, you know, it drove me crazy and there was a lot of bullshit and it became much, much worse in much, much more um, American in its embrace of identity politics. But it was a good newspaper coming from the left. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I'm, I appreciate that. Um, this is not what you get from these places that are going out of business um, that are highly ideological. And, and, and I include Vice in that, which became highly ideological. And the way that I always judged that was if I were to pitch a story you know, something that I believe that I talk about in this podcast in a, um, a meeting, it, it, it would just it literally be silence. People would be like, I, I can't, they'd probably report me to, to HR. I'm not joking. It's like, it's the, the madness of that that overtook you. Just, there was not, a, you couldn't do certain types of stories because that was not allowed. It wasn't explicitly said, but it was understood. And you didn't really even challenge it because everyone there thought the same thing. Those are the journalists I don't mind seeing go away. And I'm not saying vice people in particular. I'm just saying like those types of people that write, you know, from their apartment in Brooklyn and they watch a movie and then they spend 3,000 words telling you how it's, you know, homophobic or transphobic or racist or something. That's not journalism. That's, an, that's, that's being annoyed on paper and actually being bad at it. And, and it's usually like crappy writing. That's what, I mean, I'll give you one final example. Like when people I really disagree with who could write, Alexander Coburn, the most obnoxious- You mispronounced his last name again. Yeah, Coburn. Um, <laughs> Olivia Wilde's uncle, um, which is true. <laughs> um, an unbelievable asshole. 
the shittiest fucking views of anyone of the past 50 years. I mean, he would like, he would like literally defend Stalin. I mean, he was a Stalinist. People would say that he's a Stalinist, but he was a fucking great writer and very funny to read. I really, really like, I mean, Taki, when he was writing for um, the New York press, and I guess he still writes for the Spectator, he's like literally a racist. He's like an actual anti-Semite, like defends the like Waffen SS and um, he's funny to read. So it's worth it because he's funny. I mean, this, none of this shit is worth it. I don't, it's, it's a waste of my time. There's no talk. I don't find those people that I can't stand, but I think are really talented these days. If I do, there's very few of them. Who is that person well, for you, Matt? Person that I can't stand and will read. But you like reading them. Who's, who's writing today. Yeah. Right now. Right now. Oh, man. Mm. There's, um, I can't stand. I actually have come. I can't stand too much, but you know, like not a fan of. Um. Kind of put me on the spot. Um, yeah, let me come back. Let me come back to that. <laughs> Camille, talk about yeah. what's, what's yeah, on your I, screen. I, I do a- not. Ha- I don't know. Yeah. I don't have one. Mine is um, Nick well, I got Gillespie. Co- <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm not supposed to say that out loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You just texted it to me, though. That's different. <laughs> oh totally my different. God. You didn't sit through that Zoom call. I love Nick. Don't. That's the joke. <laughs> there's, there's a couple of a couple of other things going on in the world. Plenty we could talk about. I. I I certainly want to talk about the situation in Iran, um, or not so much in Iran, but in the Middle East broadly, and the growing tensions between the U.S. and Iran. And earlier in the week, I, I remember on Sunday, I guess it was, or maybe it was Saturday, um, that there was the attack on an American base, and three service persons were killed. Um, and uh, as the the news was developing around that, I think I heard Anthony Blinken today describe the situation in the Middle East as the most dangerous it's been in many many years. Um, and it certainly yeah. it certainly oh. seems like pretty pretty crazy. Um, and I want to talk about that a little bit, although you know maybe because since we haven't, that suggests that it's not nearly as big a deal as it might seem. Um, and I also want to talk about the Trump Biden matchup, Nikki Haley having it out with uh, Charlemagne the God. But maybe before we get there, can we just do like a brief, a brief um, intermission quickly, just so I can say how much I like Glenn Lowry? Yeah, like, I like Glenn Lowry, mm-hmm. and I think he is amazing. I don't know if you guys did you see this video Mm-mm. of Glenn and John talking earlier? I, mean, I heard reference to it. it. I'll play it a little bit. No, for no, you. I don't know. It's, it's so good. Uh, MIT had. Three positions set aside in its entering class, and those three were to be black students of the greatest promise. I was one of them in the year that I came in, even though I didn't need to be in that box in order to get in because I had A's in everything. In the PhD level courses I was taking at Northwestern, my professors were writing letters saying that I was the best student they'd ever seen because I was. Again, I ask for your forbearance as I toot my own horn here. God damn it. Don't dishonor my amazing achievement. <laughs> I resent it. I don't like it. I don't need it. I don't want it. That's not a political position. I'm defending my own dignity here. So you're going to call me a sellout because I'm defending my dignity? Fuck you. No. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, please, will you get your hands off of my dignity? Oh, wow. That he means it. is the best thing. That's the best I've thing ever I've ever seen. Get your heads off my dick. That's going to be my ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Get your hands off my dignity. Wow. I mean, I, I've heard a lot of people that swear. That was great. I don't know that I've ever heard someone yell, Fuck you, and like felt a chill. Yeah. Like he felt meant, a chill and it. had a tear 
had a tear yeah. well up in my eye. Yeah. Just amazing. Now, do you need the context for that? Nah. I mean, yeah, you I, don't. You know, I mean, you it, it kind of made sense. But you can but... go find it. Um, but Glenn Lowry's an American treasure, and I am, I'm so grateful for him. And also, um, and I, I don't mention them together for any other reason except I, I adore them both. Uh, our very good, very good friend, Coleman Hughes, new book comes out next week, so you should go buy that. Um, so that's it. Sorry. That's and he's going to be on the there. podcast. We should, we can, we can yeah, we do have an camp. expectation that he will be here yeah, next he week. Now, if coming. he doesn't show up, Fuck him, if he we'll doesn't show shit. up, we're going to talk so much. Trombone. Yeah, I'm going to say, fuck you. I will suddenly not have liked, not have liked his book. Um, but you should go pre-order it. We, it, it should be a bestseller. If it's not, it's your fault, America. Wow. And, I've read a tiny bit of it. Um, because I actually made a point in a text message with with Coleman, and he said, "Aha! I wrote about that in my book." And it was I actually made the joke um, that uh, it, it was before MLK Day, and I was like, "Okay, it's the time in which, like clockwork, uh, you know, you t- turn on Twitter on the morning of MLK Day, and it's like, well, actually, you know, MLK was a socialist, <laughs> and he opposed the <laughs> Vietnam War, and it's like, okay, here we go. It's, it's everyone's like always trying to correct a record that." everybody knows about if you're paying attention if you're not paying attention nobody cares like if they're yeah, not paying thanks, attention they're thanks, like Charlie Kirk they're like what's a, what's a <laughs> Vietnam I don't know what that is yeah I mean but but um yeah so I read he said I wrote a, uh, something very similar to that in the book and uh, I read it and it was really good uh, it's exactly what you would expect I mean Coleman is a is a young national treasure um yeah uh, he's uh he's a, a young Glenn Larry in a lot of ways so mm-hmm. he's not but the, he's not at the fuck you level he's not ready no, to go there yet. No. No, no but, I, I don't but he, know. he's also the guy just like that who is so unbearably talented. Yeah, it's so unbelievably, gross. incredibly talented as a musician, as a rapper, as a writer, as a thinker, singer. as a debater, as a singer too. He can sing really well too. Like all of that stuff. It's like from Juilliard to Columbia, and he was writing pieces in big mainstream publications when he was like twenty-two in as an undergraduate. Talk about somebody who does not need your quota. That's that's a, a, a great example of it. Uh, yeah. Is Coleman Hughes? Yeah. Um, so maybe we can talk a little bit about um, Trump Biden situation. As I mentioned a moment ago, a new Quinnipiac poll: um, Biden and Trump were head to head in this same poll back in December of 2023. Um, but now, since it looks like Trump is probably a lock to win the Republican nomination. Um, Biden has jumped ahead in the poll by about six points. Now, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a huge margin, but this was too close to call before. And a lot of our previous conversations have been about what a weak candidate Joe Biden is because he, he is, is a weak candidate. Yeah. Um, but he's up against another uh, beleaguered candidate um, who has all sorts of major defects. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is an interesting development. This after... Um, Donald Trump was handed, uh, not, not as major a defeat as it may sound, um, in the Eugene Carroll, uh, defamation suit. Um, he had already lost the case and it was just a matter of determining what the award would be. And what was the amount? 80, was it like $53 million? $83 million. She told Rachel Maddow the- when she was like, what are you going to do with this money? For women, she actually said that was the question for her. Yeah. And yeah. she's like, "I'm. We're gonna go shopping to Rachel Maddow." And her lawyer intervened. She's like, "She's joking." It's like, oh, is she? I don't know about that. I'm I think so she'd sure. probably go shopping. Yeah. Um. You know, obviously, sexual assault, terrible, awful thing. Um. 
there are some challenges with this case, however. Yeah. It's a very old case. Um, Carol could not remember the date when this happened. Um, there were not any eyewitnesses who suggested anything. There were some friends who kind of testified on our behalf, but there were also a number of unusual text messages um, that made it seem as though there was a, a, a kind of coordinating of uh, of not so much statements, but some coordination and some appreciation for the fact that this might be consequential uh, with respect to kind of national politics. Um, so it's it's at yeah, a minimum, I don't think there's any doubt like about very that, difficult right? for 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 us to see a case like prosecuted years and years um, after the original events are said to have happened. It's not even and prosecuted. It doesn't even seem it's not that prosecuted. You're not even prosecuted. It's no. that's civilly exactly litigated. Right. You're right. It was a civil a civil litigation um, related to the defamation, um, but I suppose there did have to be some sort of determination made that there there seems to have been some act. But it's very hard to shake the feeling that Donald Trump, had he been tried in some other part of the country, might have been able to do a little bit better in this case. Especially, though, if he would have at all behaved like a normal human being in his deposition. Well, that too. Yeah. In his deposition, they're like, so, um, uh, you said, like, you know, the whole grab him by the pussy <laughs> thing. Like, is that... And, and when you're a star, they let you do it. Do you do you believe that, it's sir? A, yeah, well, I mean, history shows. Historically, that's, that's if you look throughout history, <laughs> totally if you grab them <laughs> yeah. and you are a star, they do, in fact, let you do it. And, and are you, sir, such a star? Uh, yeah, yes. totally. Have yes, I am. Me? I'm awesome. <laughs> Fuck you. Hand off my dignity. Unless my put my dignity in your hand. Um, yeah. I guess I yeah. am. Hand on my dignity. Yeah. Um, uh, and also that um, that he uh, said, well, you know, look, look at her. She's not my type, so... <laughs> he does I mean, that every time. You like that's he said that a million times. <laughs> it's incredible. Let's let's, yeah, let's Daniels, say for the sake of argument <laughs> that that is an acceptable way for a human being to act outside of a courtroom <laughs> deposition situation. It isn't, but you can sort of see why someone would laugh like us because we're horrible people or whatever. But um, <laughs> you're being deposed in a in a in a litigation case. He absolutely fucked it up. He act he had uh, uh, you know counter arguments that would have been potentially persuasive, even in a court mm -hmm. in Manhattan. He fucked them up. He did really. He probably, probably should have had a better lawyer. Maybe but, you choose your lawyer on yeah, something yeah, other than hire. He needed a better yeah, client. Exactly. He sucks as a client. Yes. That's the fucking yeah, problem. But, wait, but it, crappy, is it, crappy client, crappy lawyer. It was both did, things. Did he fuck up? Because I think, this is just a guess, I think that Donald Trump is perfectly happy with an $82, $83 million no, judgment. Considering, you know, he has- 50 He won't million, have to pay that, right? $50 million, well, it's probably not, but $50 million in legal bills in the past month, right? In the Crazy. past month. Wasn't that right? $50 million, they said in the past month. And that's being paid for with campaign funds. Yeah. Um, and that's, they're quite open. About this. I, mean, I don't think <laughs> if, if, if Donald Trump doesn't have to pay a nickel of his own money for this, he is under the impression, and he's wrong about this, by the way. And a lot of Republicans are wrong about this, that anything that bad that happens to him in a courtroom is good for him electorally. It's good for him you in the primary and shitty in, in the, the general. primary and shitty in the general. You look at the polls that you see recently, you say, Camille, you said, um, and that just amongst yeah. registered voters, he's, uh, Biden's up by six or seven or something. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and that could be three, it could be 10, who knows, right? And it's it's still early, there's a lot, lot of uh, runway left here. 
But the thing that is the most interesting is that the people who are asked, both independents um, and Republicans, will you vote for him if he's convicted of a crime? I don't know those numbers offhand, but look them up. They're pretty astonishing. And the answer yeah. is is no, uh, particularly for independents. It's absolutely not. And also and particularly people- for things re- involving January 6th, much more than the Correct. presidential records case. Yeah. In the E. Jean Carroll thing, by the way, if if it really was, um, you know, a, a slam dunk case in almost every way, like you, you'd just be hearing a lot more about it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. you, it's it just kind of came and went. It's going to get full court press on MSNBC. It's going to get the, you know, it's almost a local story too in New York because E. Jean Carroll has been around in New York for years and and uh, you know had a TV show and all this stuff. But uh, yeah, it's not it's not getting a ton of attention considering that it is about sexual assault. It's kind of surprising. And at some point the judge yeah. is like, you know, he, so the, the determination here is that he put his finger in her vagina. Like at some point he said something very close to that. Uh, and like, that's what's under, that's what the court has basically decided. So you, you are yeah. here jury to react to that given blah, blah, blah. It's like, what the fuck? At some point there's going to be a five, 10 years from now, we're going to look back at this and thank God this podcast will exist and have archives because, like, what we were talking about? Yeah, that? Uh, but <laughs> well, I mean, it, the cases. By the way, you have that, which is not. I don't think it's really capturing people in the way that maybe George Conway thought it would be, or Molly Jung Fast thought mm-hmm. it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, the, the Alvin Bragg thing is a total mess. Um, but you have this thing, like, I mean, Donald Trump, who um, you know inflated the value of his company to get good deals on loans from banks and the banks all say, well, he paid us back yeah. on schedule. He did it's not like, default oh, on these loans. Or yeah. Anything. So like, yeah. what is the, <laughs> where's the victim? Like, who's, the, yeah, the who's the injured, who's the injured party? He lied on the paperwork. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's like, <laughs> like that's, that's some pretty thin gruel if you ask me, but you know, the, yeah. the January 6th stuff is actually much more um, consequential and um, the document stuff, I think too. I mean, cause that's the one I think is really a mm-hmm. slam dunk case, but you know, people are just going to say, well, you know, Biden did it too. He brought some papers home. He was just trying to show off. It's not like he was giving them to, because, you know, there's after that happens and after that raid, everyone was like, you know, I think he was selling them to the Saudis or like, you know, oh some gosh. crazy yeah. fucking conspiracy theories. Like that's none of that shit is true it's as far as you know. I mean, Cons- conspiracy theories being, 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 um, piloted or put out there by journalists, like plenty of prominent journalists were on, on Twitter at the time, like talking openly about the possibility that Donald Trump was selling nuclear secrets to various enemies of America for profit. I mean, New York Magazine um, had a cover story just, that he's possibly a Russian agent since the 1980s. John so Shay. there's a lot of possibilities that came out with him. I want, I want um, to draw attention to the, the poll. Before, okay, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Just, I was just going to say one quick, one quick point of fact. It, it looks like it was $50 million in 2023 that he spent on legal oh, sorry, fees. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, and I knew that you too much. Yeah, yeah and in the, in the past six months, however- about $30 million, but yeah, $27 yeah, million okay. of campaign money went to yeah. pay his legal fees. I know, which is when just I was saying that, I knew incredible. that that sounded wrong, but it was, it's still- That would have been a lot. Yeah, yeah lot. but that's, yeah. those are big dollars. So, he's got like 900 court cases, so it wouldn't surprise me that much. <laughs> yeah. One thing to do during- <laughs> such great lawyers. <laughs> when there's an inflection point in a uh, political campaign, there's only a few really, um, but one of them arguably is the New Hampshire primary, because after the New Hampshire primary, when Nikki Haley lost- even though she came semi-close, but it was 11 percentage points. And Dean Phillips obviously lost big um, at his best chance, and it was kind of Nikki Haley's best chance. Basically, when that was over, 
we knew that we had 287 days more of this shit where those two guys are going to win. And so like that realization is statistically significant because a huge number of uh, Democrats and independents were still in disbelief that Donald Trump would win the nomination. Like if you poll them like 30, 40%, like huge numbers are like, no, nah, he's not going to win. Someone else will win, I think. Or I don't, I'm not sure. So like they hadn't baked that into their sense of the general election. So the Trump Biden numbers prior to New Hampshire contained that sense in there with them. And so you take, when you look on real clear politics or whatever your polling delivery system is, 538, um, you look and see, uh, and you, and you grab the same pollster. So if you're looking at a Quinnipiac, look at the one after January 23rd, uh, where all the collection was after, and look at the previous one before that. And you do that with Amberson, you do that with Economist, YouGov, whatever the pollster is, and that's and you compare those two polls together. And what you'll see is, and who knows if this is going to last, but in every case, Biden is up two, three, four points um, compared to the the first poll after New Hampshire and the first poll and the last poll before. Um, and I think that makes sense. Uh, it's it's there's a really interesting. And I, this is the first time I'll ever say this, a really interesting interview with Mark Penn. I, I, I did say this. <laughs> uh, who's a douchebag and, and scumbag uh, and a political professional is associated with the Clintons for a long time. Uh, he's also married to the founder of No Labels. So he's kind of in this weird position. He did this long interview in Politico three or four days ago. And it's filled with really interesting insight. Um, and some of it seems like mutually contradictory, but it's worth thinking about. But one of the things that he said is that, like, if you look at the exit poll numbers uh, in New Hampshire and Iowa, there's 30 percent of Republican voters are never Trump. 30 percent. Like, like they ask him, are, will you vote for him when he's the nominee? Because he's totally going to be the nominee. They're like, fuck no. Um, only 10 percent of Biden voters. Right. So, like, when everyone realizes who's actually running for president, their behavior is going to shift. But he also said if Nikki Haley ran as vice president. Trump wins in a landslide um, and uh, because she is the the avatar now of that. And also she can help bring in suburban women who are like, he's really gross. Uh, and I'm but who t- would Tucker t- vote for tired of this shit. In that case, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Um, and that's yeah, of course. Um, who is, you know, he's polling at 20 percent and he's looking to get on, on 50 state ballots. Um, really just fascinating shit. Um, but I think I'd said on our drunken election night uh, thing uh, in a bad prediction that that might be Donald Trump's high water mark in the entirety of the general election is on the evening of New Hampshire when he was, you know, trying to humiliate Tim Scott and doing a victory lap. Um, it still might be. Um, there are plenty of uh, potential pitfalls there, but one of the big ones is that people realize, oh shit, he really is going to be. And if you look at the national polls with him and Nikki Haley, dude's up 55 percentage points. She's not going to win. Uh, you're not going to breathe life into that campaign. Mm. That's right. Sorry to kill everyone. No, sorry. I was just I was just thinking <laughs> no. about Quibi and how I wish it was here for this election. I need some quick well, you know, bites what, about, about get your hand Quibi. off my Quibi. 
Yeah. <laughs> while while Quibi while Quibi is gone, there are there are other other interesting media things that were once gone that are coming back again, like John Stewart returning to the Daily Show. Um and he's returning in an odd way. He'll be an executive producer, it sounds like, and will host for what, one night a week or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious what you gentlemen think about this. Is this a good thing? Will the Daily Show finally be saved? Is it is it coming back? Um or does this does this perhaps um, is this a negative signal <laughs> about the future of late night um, television shows um, like The Daily Show? Because most of them tend not to be funny. Um, yes, it seems very. like the culture has changed in a material mm-hmm. way. And maybe, just maybe, Jon Stewart, who had an Apple TV show that didn't go so great, isn't the person to save you Comedy Central terrible. Daily Show. What say you? Uh- you know, one of the things that has become a popular thing to say about Jon Stewart and about The Daily Show and about his tenure at The Daily Show, which I actually disagree with, is that, you know, he was the one that fucked up the culture. He was the one that created this mess that we're in um, because everyone yeah. started copying him. And it was just like being sarcastic about po- I don't buy that at all. I mean, we've been doing that about politics in one form or another for a very, very long time. This just happened to be on TV. And he happened to be yep. really funny. Like, Jon Stewart's a funny guy. Um, and, and, you know, I don't find him, I think he's a better stand-up actually than he is as a, a host of that show because it just became the arched eyebrow, the cutback to him of being like, huh? Like that just yeah. got me, I was just like too much, <laughs> but he is, um, he is actually a good interviewer and I want to give him some credit where credit is due. Um, but he also is full of shit sometimes too, which is, you know, what got Crossfire taken off the air. I mean, if you go back and that was like, Bravo, John Stewart. People went crazy about that. That was like a, an an OG viral moment. Everyone going like John Stewart. He just laid him out. It's like if you go back and 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 listen to that, he's accusing them of what people are accusing him of now of uh-huh. ruining America, of ruining the political discourse, and he does it in such a dumb way. And I, I was I don't know how people thought this was so profound. It's actually pretty un- incoherent. I actually wrote about this for a reason a long time ago. And I think of a review of um, a book by, maybe it was by Brian Stelter. I can't remember. It was a, a media book. But there was a bit on that, on that event, which I thought was like, it's not interesting. He's not funny. He's not funny in this bit. He's not smart in this bit, et cetera. But yeah, I mean, we're at the point now that keeping in mind that you got to give the guy an enormous amount of credit when everybody on earth for a little bit was trying desperately to recreate what he was doing. You know, like um, every country, like the very annoying Bassem Youssef, who is not funny and (laughs) thinks he's a lot smarter than he is, in Egypt and every other country had this. And, you know, Fox News tried to do something called the half hour, was it a half hour something hour? God. It was a half hour news hour or something like that. I think that was the name. <laughs> and they 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 did like three episodes and it was so painful that they killed it because they were like, we need this. And it's like, yeah, you guys have red eye. That's your version of it. Like doing like the sardonic take on politics is not something that anyone should ever be like, oh, we don't need that. You always need that. It's great. The problem is, is that I guess if you were to say he spawned these people, I don't believe that's true. I think Donald Trump spawned these people and the resistance movement spawned these people. Like we need to get him at every corner, whether that's E. Jean Carroll at a dinner party and uh, like, well, this this is how we'll get him, you know, or if it's, um, you know, somebody like Jimmy Kimmel thinking like I can, you know, sway the election even by a couple of points by talking about Donald Trump nonstop. And I made this joke about Vice at the beginning of the Biden presidency. I said, like, you know, if you looked at this website for three weeks, 
you would have no idea that Donald Trump wasn't still president. It was endless stuff about Donald Trump. And that is like, I don't think Stewart would do that. I don't think he would overdose in that way. I mean, his show, I think maybe he learned a lesson from his Apple show because that was the John Stewart um, being serious. He was like, I'm making serious political points. And he was doing it um, very poorly. And the battle, remember the thing that he did in the Capitol, like battle for sanity? Yeah, yeah. When he had- He did he a had, great, um, recent piece on that, video piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he had Cat uh, Stevens on who had- um, the same person who had said Salman Rushdie should be executed yeah. for the satanic verses, <laughs> which Salman Rushdie call, called him about, by the way, and said, what is wrong with you? But like, that was, it was so much performance. Like, you know, we're, we're so normal. And then these like tea party people are so nuts. It's like, okay, if you come back, this is your test, John Stewart. If you come back to the daily show and you do that show, can you say what you said before? Which was that this is a where where it's the fight for sanity, the rally for sanity. We are here taking on the nutballs every fucking day. And I'll say, yeah, it was like uh, Obama years. The nutballs were mostly on the right. There's a lot of people on the right saying a lot of crazy shit about Obama in like mainstream conservative publications. You know, talking about Obama's, you know, Frank Marshall Davis and all this kind of crap. Um, but now, from 2016 on. Got a lot of nut pit bars on, 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 on the left about, about Trump in particular. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do that, then you ain't worse shit. Because that is a very, it, like, like Gutfeld, Gutfeld's a conservative, right? Like, he's on a conservative network. He's a conservative guy. He makes his politics known. Stewart somehow tried to, to, to you know, rise above that and not say that he was a political guy. You could tell where he was coming from. But if he wants to do a good show, that like you should be making fun of the crazy shit that you see on MSNBC, which is never ever clipped and mocked anywhere, except for like maybe Fox, That's maybe Fox. Fox yeah, Megyn Kelly. But maybe no one is like clipping the wildest shit that you hear and like cutting back. Like Stewart can do that now, and all the people that are trying to try out for that show, Roy Wood and all those guys. I get the sense that they're just trying to do an impression of John Stewart and, mm-hmm. you know, politically an impression of him, not necessarily a comedic impression of him, but just to do that. Like that's what, that's what the show is. No, shows need to grow. They need to evolve. They need to be different. Like what you need to do is make this show a little more bi- bipartisan because everyone has lost their fucking minds. Everyone. And that yeah. would be maybe an interesting show. Yeah. I would love to see uh, some. Yes. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Matt. No, no, no. No, just... go for it. No, I would really. I, I was going to switch topics. So if you got something on this one, you got to go. Just that uh, I would love to see, and I'm biased here by our sort of friendship or affiliation, but there's a- Wow. What? Why'd you look at, why'd you look at my side of the screen? I uh, know I didn't. I was, affiliation? I was looking, actually, I was looking over there at my Camille 2020 uh, sticker. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. He's not really black. Yeah. That's the greatest thing. It's been a few years God, since- what could have been? What could have been, been a few years since been. one of my daughters came down and asked me what that meant. Uh, that's always <laughs> that's always a good sign. That's because they know. They, they absolutely. That's because they know. And when you know, you ain't got to ask no questions. King Camille, no, easy, easy understands mm-hmm. now. Uh, no, just Amen. there's a when you see clips of our friend Andrew Schultz fucking mm. selling out in Turk shitty stand like arenas and stuff. I don't know what the <laughs> hell he's doing, but there's Everywhere. a. Um, or Shane Gillis in, in the way that he does. Uh, and it's really less, I, I think, about politics. Um, and, I think so. Um, uh, there are funny guys and, and whatnot, but like there's an empathy and a connection with the audience 
And I feel like that the audience for late night comedy, there's just been a, an assumption and a kind of, of a calcification. There's a, there's a, a, there's a baseline understanding that there is a we here. And I used to always resist this, uh, even uh, on some level at, at reason or within the libertarian kind of movement stuff. I hate the notion of we. I can kind of maybe tolerate it among the three of us because we are all still disagreeable among the three of us. <laughs> Don't always agree about everything. Um, and it's just, but it's, it's like, it's us, it's our gang. Uh, but like um, the, the collective political we on comedy is just death. It's really bad. Um, and, you know, uh, like Bill Maher, to his credit, sort of fought against that with his own audience. And it took a while, I think, to get to a point where they stopped sort of like doing the clapter response to sort of the expected, oh, you punched Trump. Great. Here's your, here's your cookie of a, of a, of clap. But those guys, it's different. And part of the difference is, um, that they connect with people kind of on an emotional level. Um, and it's just, uh, it's new, right? Like the connection that they have and the way that they're talking in some of the podcast dudes and Austin and whatever, it's just kind of new. It's anarchic a little bit. Um, in, and by definition, it's going to be, forward looking. I would love to see, I don't know if it's a talk show necessarily, but I would love to see any kind of, of what that would look like put out into that world or just sort of mixed into that world. I appreciate that they're all succeeding and doing interesting stuff on their own, but I would like to see them sort of pushed or people like them pushed into that like increasingly decrepit mainstream late night comedy space whose politics are just musty. Um, there's occasional, you know, really brilliant guys that the guy on an SNL who does the Trump and the, and the Bob Dylan is very, very good. And there's a few other people, but like just that someone needs to break through that collective political. We of late night comedy. It's death. It's no good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I want to talk about your, um, your Mara piece that you wrote actually. Um, before we get there though, uh, the Cory Bush situation, uh, Cory Bush, congresswoman from uh, Missouri, right? Um, who Saint is Lewis, yeah. currently currently facing a DOJ investigation related to her spending on security. And it appears that she paid several hundred thousand dollars <laughs> using campaign dollars to a man with whom she was having a romantic relationship yes. who was also her bodyguard. So basically... There's nothing to see here. She's Whitney Houston, and he is Kevin Costner. Yeah, absolutely, and it's all it's fine. a love story. Yeah. It's all completely yeah. fine. Did Whitney Houston uh, use Kevin Costner in that movie to funnel money back to herself, or is that in the DVD version? <laughs> 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 the outtake. Implied, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the important difference is that she wasn't using campaign finance money. So <laughs> the, the other thing that Whitney Houston didn't have, and I remember when I mentioned this when Cory Bush. Um, uh, was elected mm -hmm. and be I got, careful now. Moynihan. No, I know. I, know I got like a, I got like an angry message from somebody, and I Did was you? just I, dude, dude. It's a fact. I just said a fact. This is this is not <laughs> it's not hateful. It's a fact. I mean, do you want to hear facts? No, I just said I think I can't prove it, but I thought uh, that she was probably the first woman ever elected to Congress with a tattoo on her tit. I just said yeah. that, which I think is true. <laughs> like it's I, it's true, right? I can't think of anything. Well, like, we pretty much Arthur, seen maybe all one. of Congresswoman <laughs> Bo Barrett's boobs. So oh, not enough. Yeah. We don't see any tattoos yeah. there. Oh, by the um, way, she she's is just getting a, like she... blasted in the uh, in the theater. Yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> no, she she's getting destroyed in uh, polls because she, yes. she changed districts. 
And she yeah. and I was just like, she girl, finished like fifth in her straw poll. Yeah, it was like ninth crazy. in the. I was like, you got to better go around just jerking people <laughs> off for a couple of weeks and get those numbers up. That's all it would take. <laughs> oh, that's all it would take. I go to a, just I'll, get out there. I go see Beetlejuice with you <laughs> and, and rub and rub a few out. Oh gosh, oh, she is the terrible. worst. She is absolutely, absolutely terrible. Trash. I'm sorry. I mean, Congress Congress is filled with so many terrible people. What do you now, call Corey that Bush, type of Corey woman Bush by under the way. investigation? I don't know <laughs> if she did this, but I certainly hope that she did, and I hope she gets in trouble because that would be great. She's amazing. So, She's brilliant. Yeah. No, what do you, you call the type of woman um, like like Lauren Boebert is a version uh, <laughs> of Sarah Palin? There's a word. Do you know what I mean? Like, like white head. trash? I don't know. Like what is the <laughs> she shouldn't be in politics? But they're kind of well, similar, right? I don't. I don't want to racialize this. Just the personally, can uh, uh, I never even? Matt, I actually don't even think of white trash as being racialized. <laughs> just, That's true. Ken, yeah. Ken Lane back when he was editing one cat uh, would use the phrase snowbilly. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> She's in Colorado. She's good. probably a snowbilly. <laughs> snowbilly is fantastic. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah, Corey Bush not a snowbilly. Oh. I don't think, but I don't know. No, Who knows? no. Who knows? No, she's only well, jerking one guy off, and that guy is <laughs> killing money, apparently. So the DOJ thinks. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if it's true. Yeah, I think I think it would be it would be some sort of illegal um transfer of, of campaign funds. It's not not theft exactly, but you know. I saw a tweet from the guy from what did Punchbowl News who said he asked her like mm-hmm. about it and she like yelled at him and then said she had a toothache. <laughs> And walked away. I was like, "That's pretty great." Wow. I don't know what that means, but but well, today today she had a different a different approach. She did go, um, and I think it was on the steps of the Capitol there, give a brief, uh, some brief remarks, acknowledging that she had, in fact, uh, she was in fact under investigation, but insisting that she had never used federal money to protect herself. But she can't help needing security but, because of all the racist white people ex- who ex- want to kill her. Exactly. So this is what yeah. the Patrice Coolers or whatever the BLM, right, BLM right, right. said, like, we need yeah. the, we need to spend $8 million on a fortress in, in Brentwood <laughs> because somebody might come after us. And, you know, yeah. this is a safe place to be. It's like, um, and like, there are people that believe that people that buy that. They're like, yeah, no, it's, it's uh, all the racism out there. You have to, you have to move to yeah. Brentwood. I mean, I mean look what happened there to and Nicole Brown Simpson. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, it would have been the oh, same. Oh, by the way, can I just, uh, um, <laughs> The other night, uh, I, I was like, I couldn't sleep. And uh, I, I watched, I think the third episode, the second and the third episode of The People versus O.J. Simpson again. Because I, I love anything O.J. related. And mm-hmm. um, going back, every time I go back to it, uh, there's a new, like I peel another layer from that onion and it's just like it's unbelievable how guilty he is. <laughs> it's just so hilarious that <laughs> he got. It's like really kind of hilarious that he got away with it because it's just like he like everything I was watching. I was like, oh my god, I forgot that he parked in the driveway at Rockingham after the low speed chase and was in there in the car with a gun under his chin for like seven hours. Oh, that's a long I didn't. Time. Re- yeah, because yeah. he was waiting for it to go dark so he could. So he like he wanted to surrender in the day. He didn't want anyone to see him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so he he like waited till it got dark. But there's so many like and I forgot that his son came out and started freaking out when he pulled into the driveway. There's so much good yeah. stuff there. 
This is a crazy, crazy situation. I just wish we could get Al Cowlings on the show. <laughs> you know, the other day um, I was I was at the barbershop and I saw um, I saw the beginning of Juice. You you remember Juice? Yeah, with um, Matt. I'm sure you watched Juice, with right? Tupac, Tupac, Tupac Shakur. Yeah. No, I did not. Yeah, no. and the the theme song from Eric B and Rakim. Juice. I got enough, enough to, to go, go around. around. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tupac is actually really great in that movie. Yeah, like there's this there's this bit where the, he um, confronts I'm forgetting the other dude's name in the hall and um, he just gives this like this speech because he says you crazy bishop and he yeah. says you know what I am crazy it just, it's just so good you should just go watch it if you haven't watched Juice you should see it um, I haven't, I haven't mommy, seen it in a bit maybe I should go yeah. back and um, can I sent to um, a friend of ours uh, the other day a Tupac poem and, oh uh, yeah, yeah, and because it, it's the a, word, a it, poem you wrote about. Tupac? No, 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 no. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Tupac, why can't you come back? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one, Michael. I'm just, really I'm just stuff he's oh, working yeah, out. Yeah. I don't know the whole. I don't yeah. know the rest this of is the vice, vice president's favorite favorite rapper. Apparently, yeah. Um, this is a poem of his called "Fallen Star," dedicated mm. to Huey P. Newton. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I dug this up because of the Jamal Bowman stuff, which we yeah. maybe mentioned. But oh, we should. Um, it is another another stellar member of Congress. Just a, a brilliant just a hero, brilliant, absolute hero. <laughs> um, he, this is um, possibly the worst poem ever written. I don't even. I can't even. This. It, it sounds like if you went to AI and be like, like write me the shittiest. <laughs> a poem you can possibly muster with all of your chips it would come out with this and this is the this is the first uh, stanza if you could even call it that in all the u's and twos are letter u and number two yeah, so that okay. as, as you can imagine and it's they could never understand what you set out to do instead they chose to ridicule you when you got <laughs> weak they loved the sight of your dimming and flickering starlight. It's just like, I can't, it gets worse, I but like I that. just wanted to, huh? <laughs> you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's uh, the, the poem for Huey Newton. Yeah. I mean, he was pretty, he was pretty good at the rapping, but that was, yeah. was not so great. He was not also a really so bad great. human, by the way. Yeah, no, he wasn't a good dude. It wasn't no. a good dude. He went to prison for of, rape, was, and nobody ever mentions that. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, there's... I, I mean, that's true, it's, right? It's true. Yeah. It's true. It is true. This is why we need and to I know. the video, because we just got to see Camille <laughs> prevaricating in real time. Like, yeah. no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can't we can't pretend that the, the merits of every case and every conviction are identical. And I'm just saying that in that particular case, like there are question marks about it. It's, I, I mean, mean it I'll tell you what there are questions, me, by you know, the way. And, and I'll tell you, look, there's another case that that there are also question marks about, and that's the murder of a kid with the gun that Tupac had been carrying yes, moments right. before it was discharged. Yes. And there's some mystery as what to who yeah. ended up firing the gun that Tupac brought to the concert, what was me? carrying <laughs> before it was discharged. But I saw but, you! But magically didn't have it after the scuffle took place and yeah. a young man was killed. And like no one talks about that. Too, yeah. 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 Oh, and like, you so, know, and the rape and the shootings. Like there was a couple of shootings yeah. that he was involved in. That, not multiple, the, multiple shootings. Not, not just him getting when, shot. One yeah. where he got shot. That one. Yeah. Dun, 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 that was the <laughs> that was the last of that game show of that that shooting. A lot of lot of violence, and it's incredible 
when you have somebody like didn't it, it, Kamala Harris said like she's he's my favorite rapper, right? Did she, yeah, she said that, but she's lying. Yeah, but she he like I mean, he's like his gun was discharged and killed a child, and he went to jail for rape. Is that, <laughs> isn't that like maybe you should choose? Like Bing Crosby or something. <laughs> you know, Boynihan, I've let I've read a lot of Ibram Kendi, and I'm pretty sure that whatever happened, not his fault. Yeah. Okay. Totally. White yeah. supremacy is the reason why uh-huh. all of those bad things happened. You can't expect black people to be culpable for anything. Dude, do do you not know today is January January thirty first. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow is the beginning of Black History mm-hmm. Month. I can't believe you're here talking about black people as though they could possibly be responsible. I got one more day. (laughs) (laughs) Tomorrow you'll do the work. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, Tonight. Yeah. February 1st is really tough because at least it's the shortest month because it's a lot of, I got to do a lot of work. Yeah. Doing the work. It's a leap year. You're the one, you're the one who sent me that thing this morning with the, um, the crazy Google oh, you Meet. That. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Google Meet, or I guess it's Google Meet now. Yeah, they have a new filter for the background of, of your <laughs> conversations. And it was just released today or maybe the it's day amazing. before. It's and it is for Black History Month. And apparently, you too can look like you have a house in Africa. It's actually not really clear what the hell is supposed to be happening. I, there. There's like kente cloth and then a lot of horns. <laughs> Very odd. <laughs> Horns on the wall, Horns a large on the wall. tapestry, a, a saxophone, the, the like cloth. on a stand. It's yeah, like candy cloth bead bags. It's fucking Bill Clinton's house. What the fuck? This is, this is <laughs> Jesus, it's so weird. Yeah, it's it totally be bizarre. Now? But by the way, can um, I use that, or would like would would Google well, freeze is, my account? This mm. is the question. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> what are you doing in my um, African house? <laughs> I imagine they don't have it. But but what they call is Black History Month African. Dash style living room. Yeah. Uh, which again, I don't really understand why Black History Month would actually require an African style living it's room. A lot and of I hate to be the person. Around. Tons I don't want to be the dick who always says this because it's so boring, but it is a continent. So if you were to say like <laughs> North America living room, well, there's a lot of North American living rooms that I don't know if I'd want yeah. to pipe in as my background <laughs> i mean god i wish i i wish i knew like what nitwit at google decided this was a good idea yeah and then who how, who they tasked with doing this maybe they actually had just ai generate it and that yeah. would be a decent excuse for like 20 percent of it the rest is just pure idiocy yeah yeah i mean well we're gonna have a month of it so i'm pretty excited about good it god. Should just take yeah. camille's yeah we're off to a strong start camille's office yeah. background which is full of basketballs and high-end sneakers <laughs> <laughs> That's well, those, are, here, by the way. those are empty those are empty sneaker boxes oh um and they're not just sneaker boxes they're yeezy boxes and those two basketballs <laughs> not at all black those two basketballs are are prized possessions of mine they're signed by the entirety of team usa from that that year that like kobe and lebron and and carmelo all played on the same team it's great um speaking of basketball a tip anyways a tip sometimes listeners like when we give them tips um yeah. i don't listen to Bill Simmons's podcast. Um, I do remember, by the way, in 1999 or 2000, a friend of mine um, I grew up with, and, and we were both living in Boston at the time, he's like, you got to check out this website called Boston Sports Guy. And that was like the original Early. iteration Early, of yeah. Bill, Bill Simmons. Um, you know, and he has the like rewatchables and he's, you know, he's made a fortune doing it. I did not know this, but he's very good friends with Larry David, um, oh. which is really interesting. And hmm. I, I always knew that Larry David was a big golfer and that he was a sports fan. Um, he is like such a massive sports fan. That's why they're friends. 
And then on the new um, episode of um, his uh, Bill Simmons podcast is an hour and a half of Larry David. And I listened to it while driving for an hour and a half today. And it is unbelievably funny. Um, and mm. the man knows so much. And at the end, the, the incredible thing that he's like, um, he's a huge NHL fan too. Like he goes through basketball, football, and then he's like, he, he, I tape the Ranger games and watch every Ranger. It's like, I did, it's the guy's like a sports nut. It's really, really interesting and knows a ton about it, but it's very funny and um, it's worth listening to. I don't, I'm not a particular fan of, of Bill Simmons. I didn't even know he sounded like that. I was like, that's Bill Simmons. <laughs> I thought he sounded different, but, uh, but worth, worth a listen. So, uh, what, what else, what haven't we gotten to? Well, Jamal Bowman, you, you teased him. You didn't really oh, go through it. Yeah. So what is the, what's the situation there in one hand? Cause I didn't, I didn't actually see anything. Somebody from, I think the Daily Beast, um, found, found his old blog, his old blog spot blog. I mean, I have to bring this up here cause it is really great. And, um, on that blog spot, um, he uh, was really into 9-11 conspiracy theories. And he wrote, and again, to the poetry, he wrote a poem about 9-11. <laughs> he literally wrote a poem about 9-11. Um, and Bin Laden didn't blow up the projects. It was you, person. It was you. Yeah. Um, I hate that I like that song so much. By the way, can I, can I read you the, 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 stanza, yes. the stanza? This is very good. Yeah. And I actually was, it reminded me of uh, Leroy Jones, uh, what's his name, <laughs> Amir Baraki, you know, remember him? He yeah. did the, that, he was the poet laureate of New Jersey, and and um, he had that poem that was so unbelievably stupid, and I was like, wait, this guy's famous? And one of the rhymes was, Condoleezza, you skeezer? And he actually misspelled Condoleezza, <laughs> which is even better. But this is the Jamal uh, Bowman poem. Now, imagine this red in a deaf uh, poetry jam style. Uh, 2001, planes used as missiles, missiles target the Twin Towers. Later in the day, Building 7 also collapsed. Hmm. That's the line. Hmm. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great one. He was like, he, he went back and reread that. He was like, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh, multiple explosions heard before and during the collapse. Hmm. Mm. He does a hum again. Yeah. <laughs> and then it gets into, um, uh, where's the one? He's like, uh, uh, you know, Bin Laden wasn't. He, oh, he says, "Watch loose, loose change and Zeitgeist." <laughs> Zeitgeist was like an even crazier one. Shout out to John Perkins, William Cooper, who I think is like a white nationalist, um, Michael Moore, Peter Joseph, and Adam Curtis. And uh, yeah, no, that John Perkins is the one that um, I think he's dead. I think he got shot or something. He's like a militia guy. So yeah, and then but Jamal Bum is like, you know. Look, we all made mistakes. And I'm like, motherfucker, I never literally believed any of that. <laughs> Why? Why? I think when people replay it as if, oh, we were all thinking that Building 7 was blown up by the Jews. I'm like, no, I wasn't thinking that ever. So there you go. That was Jamal Bowman's poem, which he didn't, I mean, he's pulling fire alarms, trying to figure out 9-11. This guy's a fucking renaissance man. I just want to get <laughs> to Camille's secret anti-Semitic past. We're gonna find oh it someday. I secret. I don't have a secret anti-Semitic. Uh, that's why that's why it's secret. We don't know yeah. about it yet. Yeah. I don't. I don't have one. I mean, I I did used to watch South Park, and Cartman always used to talk about Jews. And I mean, that's actually <laughs> what, what I learned that there was a thing called Jewish people it was from South Park. <laughs> really? I didn't know what it was. 
Yeah, I didn't even know what it was. That's how you found out about Judaism. Seriously, I didn't didn't understand that. Like, I didn't understand that these were like a kind of people. Like, he just would say it to Kyle all the time. He's like, "Shut up, Kyle!" And I'm like, "Okay, all right." I guess that's a slang term. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's cool. I guess. Wow, (laughs) it's funny. Like, I mean, I I had a town with like eight synagogues. I mean, mean, synagogue. What is that? I don't know. It's fine. Yeah, it's where yeah. The, it's where the conspiracies happen. I think. Yeah, I'm uh, sure they're nice people. I've never met one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they should have you on Ask a Jew, and then you could just ask them questions. Like, yeah. So what is this all about? Yeah. yeah so, where do you so hide the minute. horns? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So wait a minute, y'all y'all don't like Jesus? <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand. How that work? <laughs> no, Camille. He was one of us. He was a Jew. What are you talking about? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. okay, okay. It's always very confusing. But I thought y'all was black. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the black Hebrews. That's what yeah, I heard. That's what, in Times Square, that's what you always figure out. Yeah. <laughs> Kanye said. Guy in like a leather Africa Bambata outfit telling you that the Jews are like, you know, controlling the world, but he's the real Jew. Yeah. 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 Well, Kanye made some news this week, but we're not going to talk about that. No. Just no. leave that I, 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 it's, it's not necessary. Mental it's illness too sad. is just not, a, not news. It's not funny. No, no it's not funny. you feel bad for him. <sighs> Yeah. yeah, because we talked about the tech stuff. We've we've talked about the complete dysfunction in Congress. Yeah. Uh, everyone knows the situation in the Middle East not so great. Yeah, um, Messenger is dead. Messenger is dead. I didn't uh, even know James, he was alive. James O'Keefe is brave. He's he a might brave be dead. Hero. He's alive but for he now. Might but he dead. might be dead. Yeah. But be, if he if he is dead, hmm. we know that he lived a great life. <laughs> he lived James a full O'Keefe life. murdered by an IT man. <laughs> <laughs> Visited every state yeah. a dozen a times. A dozen times. I mean, a that dozen. guy is so I mean, well traveled. Have you ever been That's out of lie. the country? No. <laughs> no. 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 But I've been to Maine seven times. <laughs> That's pretty great. That's actually, if it were true, that would be really weird. A dozen It'd times. It'd just be very strange. Has he been, just, he's been to Alaska a dozen times? <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, maybe it's true. I went to um, Alaska and I got out of the airport and there was a person taking off all their clothes in the intersection screaming. And I was like, no, I thought it was peaceful here. I swear to God. I was like, this is the crew. We were going to film something about harp. Yeah. Uh, you remember the harp, the, the, like the conspiracy theorist thing? That, yeah. That, what is it? I don't even remember what the acronym stands for, but it's like the electron accelerator. I can't remember what it is. Some weird thing. But we went and, and uh, uh, tried to figure out what was going on at harp. It was just like boring government research. <laughs> but, you know. Oh, gosh. All right. Well, I yeah, mean, maybe right. maybe we've done enough we of the Lord's work for done tonight. The, we've done our job tonight. Yeah. Well, I yeah. feel pretty good about that. Um, and I look forward to being with you all again very soon. Remember, we've got uh, Coleman Hughes next week. Again, exciting new book coming out. If you haven't pre-ordered it, you should. Um, am I getting a cut? No. No. I just want him to succeed. Yes. Okay. For we're yes. not. This is not a paid advertisement. Yes. We want him to succeed. Hey, can okay. I just uh, add one thing? Um, an yeah. email that I think came up while we were recording. Um, oh. And it's about our friend Aaron. Um, and Aaron's a great uh, Fifth Column super fan who's been sick uh, oh, yeah. for a number of years and, and has been trying to get all this sort of um, uh, experimental treatment, et cetera. With the and help of our read it. fans. Yeah, read, don't read yeah, the with first the help paragraph. Of our fans. Yeah, and there's been like, uh, I think that GoFundMe and the... 
and some stuff that we said about it. And I'm just going to read this one bit because it's great to hear. When it comes to my actual health, I have amazing things to share with you, lads. I have had my first set of MRIs. I'm about to get my second set. As of right now, I'm officially in remission from multiple sclerosis. I didn't know that that would um, it isn't any guarantee that you will get any function back post-transplant, but I have been very fortunate in my results. There's more wow. there. Um, uh, thank you so much for that update, Aaron. And that is uh, really, really great news. Fabulous so, news. So, Fabulous one of the news. Great, uh, and, uh, wow. One of the great things. Thank you, James O'Keefe. Thank you, James yes. O'Keefe. Wow. I uh, know that he's got, he's now <laughs> finally can feel uh, like he's got feeling in his foot so he can feel the pain. So yes. like mm. the, function, the yeah. function works so well now that he can feel yes. how much pain that he's, he's in. in pain. All he's like, is this reversible? Maybe you want to, I think that was a bad idea. Oh <laughs> um, man. That's really good that's news. Awesome, I just man. happened to see that pop up. And he's but, no longer uh, using yes. a cane, he said, right? So like he's actually like helping out his kid with soccer and stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know, and we've met Aaron a couple of times yeah, on a couple of live shows. He's come out to the, to the, to the shows and um, mm-hmm. him and his wife and, and um, I'm I'm very happy for both of them. Um, he's a very very sweet guy. And um, and and also by the way, thank you guys for helping him out because Absolutely I don't know right. how that happened, but it obviously organized itself on the Substack. But um, and he's getting this uh, experimental and probably very expensive treatment. So that's that's a great credit to you people. Yeah, great. Well, that is a, right. a wonderful positive note for us to go out Look on. Look at that right. positive note to go out on. Yeah. Thank you for for joining us for this wonderful dispatch. We will be back soon. Bye. Bye. We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan horse. The fifth column.